1: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Mason Mount, my Phil Foden. It's Justin Peach. Good day to
0: you, Ryan. Justin, you alright? Yeah, I'm I'm relatively good. I, I do miss championship football, but at the same time, having World Cup games literally all day is so nice. It is nice.
1: Mm, I have had a bit of a detox over <laughs> the last day or two from a, the World Cup because, as we were referring to in the last episode, it's a lot, isn't it, to watch four games every single day. So I I think the last game I watched actually was the Australia game where Harry Suter had an incredible game, by he the did. way. My Lord, he was fantastic. Um, so hopefully he brings that form back into a Stoke shirt. Um, but apart from that, I've just been staving away from it. It's just I just can't keep doing it, Justin.
0: We've had a relatively low-scoring World Cup as well. I, I, um, I saw someone tweet about the numbers and they have been relatively poor. So in terms of um, action and exciting action, it's, it's, it has been few and far between. Like, I mean, I watched the Argentina-Mexico game and it was incredibly drab. It was just two teams kicking the shit out of each other.
1: Yeah, it, it's been, there's been a lot of goalless draws, haven't there? You either get... Quite an exciting game, or one that's just pretty boring, and there's just mm-hmm. maybe a goal or two if you're lucky in it. Um, but the it, it's very much one way or the other in it, with this World Cup, so exactly. Far.
0: Yeah, and we don't get that with the Championship, which is why, which is why we all love the Championship and it's why we need it back as soon as possible to give us a shot in the arm of our you know a
1: Championship addiction. Well, strangely, it's back next week. We've got one game oh, yeah. next weekend, which <laughs> I. Oh, I still don't know how we're going to deal with that, Justin, because we had plans sorted out, but we've now got to try and wedge in a single championship game for us to talk about. And it's Sunderland v Millwall as well, which, let's be honest, it's not exactly the one that's going to be talked about for the ages, is it? So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one for us to try and cover. But yeah, loving the World Cup. I'll get back on it in the coming week. I've just needed a, a couple of days off from all the action. And plus, we are getting to the stage now where... You know, It's the last group stage, isn't it? Last game of the last round of group mm-hmm. stage games, so that's going to be incredibly fascinating, especially if the Germans crash out. Uh, but welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, this is part two of a two-parter here on the second tier, where we go through every team in the championship and predict whether they're going to finish higher or lower than where they currently are in the championship table so in part one which came out on Thursday we went through the teams from 24th to 13th and now we're going to go through 12th to 1st in the championship table so we'll go through that talk about some of the news from the past few days including managerial changes potentially at QPR and Wigan as well as a few other bits and then we'll finish off with the polls that we've put out to the listeners on Twitter so let's get into higher or lower shall we just in 12th place is where we are where we have Reading what are you predicting with them Justin? I almost got the format, but I'm going with low. I'm also going with lower. Why have you got them to go lower, Justin?
0: Um, I think it just comes down to uh, squad ability, uh, squad potential, um, and how Paul Ince is getting the best out of those players. Now, I think it's worth reiterating, really, really hard. And this isn't a criticism of Reading at all. Paul Ince has done a fantastic job so far in terms of getting results. But when you start to get into the nitty-gritty of things, has he gotten the best out of the individuals in the team? One or two, yes. Um, but others, no. I look at lucas Shaw, for example, and I think you've got a striker there who's going to get 15, 16, 17 goals um, in a season quite easily um, if you get him on the ball enough. And I don't think they've done that. I just think Paul Lince has played with a handbrake on a little bit. That's absolutely fair because he's it's been results football for Reading in this first half of the season. Um But I think if he's going to sustain a mid-table finish at 12th, I think he has to allow his team to progress a little bit more. If you look at the chances they create, they're the the 4th worst team in in a division in terms of chance created. Um, So I think on that basis, I don't think they're going to create enough chances for them to sustain that mid-table finish that they're in at the moment.
1: They've got to play with the handbrake on though, haven't they? Because quite simply, this Reading team isn't
0: as good as some of the teams who are up there. I don't think I don't think he does. I think he can play with it on to some extent, but he has got to learn at times just managing games to take it off and allow Shao to be a bit clever, to be a bit crazy. Thomas is the only player I think in that final third who has been consistently decent this season for Reading. I've not seen enough out of Zhao. Definitely haven't seen enough out of a Jaria. Um, I just think there's more to come from that Reading attack, and I think that. Paulins knows that. I think the Reading fans know that as well. It's just a case of tapping into it and getting more out of them. I don't think they will. I think they will still maintain that um, that style of play, which has got them results so far, but at the same time could also not be a disaster, but impact them uh, going forward.
1: Well, look, they've been impressive this season and it would be wrong of us to not give them a lot of credit For even being in the top half at this World Cup break. Many people expect them to go down without much fight this season. So the fact that they are in the top half is pretty remarkable. I think they are starting to run out of steam a bit though. Let's be honest, I wouldn't be surprised to see Reading get sucked into a relegation battle. That's where many people expected them to be this season. I think there are teams I'm more worried about, but without a doubt I can definitely see them getting dragged into it. They might have enough credit in the bank For them to possibly stave it off, I undoubtedly think they will continue to slide down the table, though, simply because this squad was punching above its weight anyway. It just depends how far down the table they slide. To be fair to Reading, though, I haven't watched them this season so far thinking, how on earth is this team doing so well? Because they have done well. It's just, as we know with this Reading team, it's not the strongest, Um, and Paul Lynch has had to Keep that in mind when he's approached teams this season. But, yeah, to be set twelve is remarkable. I think they could find themselves in a bit of trouble as the season goes on. But this team's I am much more worried about anyway. In 11th place is Coventry City, Justin. I've got them to finish higher. Where have you got them? Higher as well. Yeah. Higher. That is good because we're in agreement. Um, <laughs> I think Coventry will arguably be the team most annoyed about this world cup break because they have been flying haven't they and i think they will continue to keep climbing as well right now they've got two of the best players in the division in victor Jarkarez and gustavo hamer who have been in immense form in the last couple of months calimo has been electric since coming back into the team ben sheath also been excellent in midfield they're a great team with some brilliantly talented individuals. And as long as they continue their form for the remainder of the season, they've got a great chance of getting getting into the playoffs. I think they'll also be buoyed by the news of a takeover, which will give everyone there a huge boost of positivity. I think there are a few things that could let them down, though. I think they could do with someone else helping out Victor Jokoraz with the burden of scoring goals. I remain not wholly convinced by the defence, and there's also the danger of vulture-like clubs swooping in for the likes of Jokeres, O'Hare or Hamer. So there's a few variables variables at play, but they've got as good a chance as anyone outside the top six of getting a playoff place, as far as I'm concerned, Justin.
0: Yeah, I think what we were saying in the last episode, there's there's higher and then there's higher. So I think Coventry City can finish higher if they keep hold of their key players and add one or two in January. But I think it's just going to be a higher finish with the squad that they've got now. And obviously, if the Vultures come in and pick those good players, take them away from the club like O'Hare and Giocarez. I think I've seen Palace Everton linked with uh, Giocarez. And there's obviously um, Burnley potentially sniffing around O'Hare again in January. um, Then that might impact him in terms of finishing lower but when it comes to playing with the handbrake on a bit like Paul Ince Mark Robbins has had to done uh, has had to do this with with his coverage side he's had to keep clean sheets and um, and that's worked fantastically well for them and if they are going to push higher um then i think naturally Coventry city needs to be a little bit more not a little bit more open but a little bit more a, bit, a little bit more like last season um i think is what i'm trying to get at um they're a side that do create chances um in terms of keeping clean sheets they barely conceded you know uh, high value chances in November Ben Wilson was relatively quiet obviously kept four clean sheets going into the World Cup break they're a very well drilled side very well managed side and they manage games really well um, but I think Mark Robbins I think he's had it before himself that they can get more out of them which is exciting but also comes with a lot of um, variables that could impact them like you know the ones that you said
1: Exactly In 10th place is Luton Town I've got them to finish higher, Justin. What about you?
0: I'm staying where they are. I'm staying, I'm staying where they are. They're staying where they are for me.
1: I, I thought the whole point of this list was, are they more likely to finish higher or lower? Not just cowarding out and saying, staying where they are. So if I had to push you, where would you put them? It would be a really low-toned higher. Okay, okay. That's good then.
0: Why have you got them there then? <laughs> um, I think... It, it, they would. I think they would have sig- finished significantly higher under Nathan Jones. Um, but I just think that transition under Rob Edwards might take some time, or he might come in and have a really good impact. But I think in and around tenth, possibly going up to seventh, seventh. I think is maybe where Luton are at. Um, I think they do create a lot of chances and obviously don't concede many. But conversion, they could do a lot better. They they're obviously underperforming in terms of putting chances away we know that it's a, not an issue that's affected Luton quite drastically but it has impacted them over the last season and a half there's a lot more to come from this Luton team but I just think that transition under Rob Edwards might take a little bit of time um, and I think that's going to impact their results I think it's going to impact their performances they might go through some teething issues as all, all, all new managers do saying that he could come in and have an absolute yeah, hell of a time and get them into the, 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 the top six with these, like Ishmael did with Barnsley. Um, but for me, I just think I'm, I'm erring on the side of caution with them.
1: Yeah, I've got them to finish higher, but I think I'd be saying higher if Nathan Jones was still there. <laughs> but with Rob Edwards, it is just a higher. I'm not feeling as strong as I usually would on Luton with Nathan Jones leaving and Rob Edwards coming in. Having said that, I think they're a better team than 10th in the table. Mm-hmm. I just don't really know what to think with them because I don't really know what to think about Rob Edwards. By the time the season kicks off again, he'll have had a few weeks to work with the players and get his ideas across to them about how he wants to play, which is good. I've got no doubt that the squad is good enough and big enough to finish in the top six. It just depends on how good a manager Rob Edwards is. And I don't think there's a definitive answer yet to that question because he's only had a season and a bit as a manager and he's had ups and downs in that time, hasn't he? So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's got um, questions to answer in that regard, but he's a highly rated coach. So he could be incredible. At the same time, I wouldn't be getting too carried away at this point. But he is very handsome. That I do know. In ninth <laughs> place is Preston North End, Justin. I've got them to finish lower. What about you and why?
0: Again, they're a, they're a really difficult one because there's not too much that needs fine-tuning. But if I was to push for an answer, I'd say lower as well. They've set themselves up for a really good season by this unprecedented start they had to this campaign. The, the clean sheets they had and the... Uh, I mean, lack of scoring goals was an issue. But defensively, they, they set themselves up some really solid foundations. But I just look at this squad and I just don't think there's enough there to sustain a top-six challenge. Now, I know that they've... You know, Prior, they'd lost one before the World Cup break, but they won through on the trot. Just before that, really good run of form, but they don't score enough goals. They create a lot of chances. It's so just it's just a conversion aspect that's an issue. And if we're talking about, if I'm talking about Luton in the same vein, i.e., not scoring enough goals or not converting enough chances, then I've got to put press in that category as well. Um, and I think squad depth and squad wise, they're not quite at Luton's level, so naturally they, they're going to drop down. Um, defensively, they've got a good a good unit. But as I say, it's just going forwards, it's really problematic for me. Um, they're relying heavily on Emory Jacobson, who doesn't score enough goals, who um, doesn't convert enough chances. Um, Troy Parrott hasn't been good. Um, and that's about it. They don't have too much of a goal threat uh, elsewhere, which is why they're the second-lowest goal scorers in the league. Preston not one of those teams I look at in the
1: Championship table and think, how are they so high? Because they're a funny odd side. Because I I think if you said to a Preston fan at the beginning of the season, ninth at the World Cup break, would you take it? I'm pretty sure every single fan would. Mm -hmm. But if you ask supporters how things have gone so far, I'd be surprised if you found a Preston fan who thought it had been an amazing season. In fact, having listened to a few Preston fans recently on podcasts, YouTube, etc., the mood is a bit meh. So... It's incredibly strange how things are at Deepdale right now. The lack of goals is obviously not going to help with that, not just from Preston, but with their games in general. They haven't been the most exciting. Despite their lofty position in the table, I'm very confident this team won't finish in the playoffs. I will be astounded if they did. Mm -hmm. I simply don't think the squad is strong enough and it also seems as if the team isn't completely suited to how Ryan Lowe wants to play. So I think it's still too early in the Ryan Lowe project to expect anything significant from this team and I imagine Preston will steadily fall back into their comfort zone of 13th 14th place as the season progresses um so yeah quite comfortable with Preston finishing lower in eighth place we have Swansea City where you got them Justin? higher also higher for me uh I made a championship table in preparation for these two episodes, so I could make sure the number of teams I had finishing higher or lower made sense. And in that table, there was the top four, which many may call the obvious top four when you look at the teams in there. I also had Middlesbrough in there. Then I found myself with the empty last playoff spot. And I think it's fairly open, but I found myself putting Swansea there. So that is because they are a great side. They have an excellent manager in Russell Martin an exciting young progressive manager Um, and they're in a great position anyway being 8th in the table that goes without saying but they're there even though I feel like they've got more to give because Joel Pirro has been out of form this season Michael Obafemi has been in and out of the team and despite this only five teams have scored more than Swansea, despite both of their strikers not being in great form this season. Then at the other end, only five teams have conceded more than them, but they've got the sixth best expected goals against from open play. And as we always you know, bang the drum about with expected goals, things like that tend to even themselves out as the season goes on. So they've got players who have really stepped up their game this season. Ollie Cooper, Nathan Wood, two young lads who have been both breakout stars, big breakout stars in the Championship. It is a young, exciting team. But still, they've got players in there who are in their peak years, like Matt Grimes and Ryan Manning, for example. So, I think they could still do with a new right wing-back in January and possibly another midfielder two, But it's not critical to their chances of getting in the top six. Having said that, even just a top-half finish, I think, will be a good season for the Swans. But I'm feeling... Quite optimistic about what Swansea, what Swansea can do in the second half of the season, just in there. But they're doubt a contender for the
0: playoffs, and I think they've got a very very good chance of getting in there.
1: Yeah, I completely
0: agree with everything he said. If I look at Swansea in isolation and look at some of their players, other than Ryan Manning, other <coughs> than Ryan Manning and Matt Grimes, I don't think any of their players have had an outstanding season. Um, which isn't a criticism. I think it's testament to how Russell Martin plays, and I think it's a testament to Nathan Wood. All I think he's been, I think he, I think they've been good, but I think they've had some inconsistencies. But they're young; they're gonna they're gonna have that. Um, and they've had they've shown they've shown some really good moments. But I don't think they've been outstandingly good like Matt Grimes and Ryan Manning have, probably to be expected. But like I said with Joel Pirro, he's underperforming massively. I think the amount of chances he's had compared to his put away is a stark contrast to last season. He was super super clinical last season completely opposite end of the spectrum this season, which is a massive shame, but obviously it's going to impact It's going to impact results in some way. But and, and then you look at the data side of things, don't concede too many chances, but they concede goals, which is completely bizarre. And as you say, they will even out. So I think there's minor tuning that needs to be done by Russell Martin to get more out of the players that he's got, more consistency, um, and therefore more results. And I think it's just down to that, which obviously is a very difficult thing to do. But if I look at the teams in that top 10, probably Coventry and Swansea are the only two teams that I look at and go, you don't need much doing to you, do you? You're, you're, you're nearly there. You're very close. You're, you're so close. And I think Swansea are a lot closer to to that playoff push than, than perhaps the, the likes of Coventry. Hmm. There's a few teams who could
1: very easily finish in the playoffs in, yeah. in there, but there aren't that many places going because, as we say, I've got myself a top four and there's a good five or six maybe even more than that teams who all have very good shouts of getting in there so it's actually pretty hard to call at this point but I I definitely have Swansea finishing higher in that respect Uh, let's go to seventh Justin
0: QPR where you got them (laughs) dreading this one because I I don't know I, I couldn't give you an answer um lower it'd be a lower um obviously if you're going to that table prediction that you've put together I'd go lower I've got them lover too, and I will point out
1: that I had QPR down to finish lover even before the news broke from the last few days about Mick Beale potentially being on his way out the door. More on that in the news, but it's only made me feel more confident about QPR finishing lover. Now, this isn't one where I'm expecting a meteoric dive down the table. In fact, I think QPR, without a doubt, very capable of proving me wrong and finishing in the top six. It's just a lot is up in the air right now Mm -hmm. and it's going to be an important couple of months. And I say that because it could all come down to who comes in. By that, I mean, obviously in the dugout, assuming Mick Beale leaves because they need a manager. That's usually how it works. (laughs) Um, But also on the pitch in January, they need a bit more, without a doubt, for me. The over-reliance on Chris Willock and Elias Chair costs them points. If either of those two aren't on it, it feels very unlikely when you're watching a game that they'll actually get anything from the game. So I think they need a striker. Lyndon Dykes just doesn't do it enough for me. And I think they need a midfielder as well. In an ideal world, a box-to-box midfielder, all singing, all dancing, who can help (laughs) at both ends of the pitch. Whether that midfielder is out there and available in January, I'm not too sure. But we'll have to wait and see. I don't think... This current QPR squad is strong enough, as it is, to finish in the top six. So I think a lot depends on who comes in in January for their chances of securing a playoff place.
0: Yeah, you're pretty much spot on. Um, I, I don't know why as well, the the person that came to my head in terms of all singing, all dancing, do it all as a midfielder, was the reference I thought of, was Dick Van Dyke. Um, can act, can sing, can dance. He's got it all. And that's what um, you know, type of midfielder you need at QPR. He's
1: experienced as well. so Yeah. Obviously not... leave.
0: <laughs> he's pushing 100. So obviously going for someone a bit younger would be more advantageous, mm. I think. For, yeah, for I'm QPR. not sure he's got the legs for it anymore, to be honest. <laughs> he might do, actually. He's always got a bit of energy anyway. Um, but I completely agree. Just with. Just before QPR. you
1: go on, Justin, I'm glad to report Dick Van Dyke is still alive. Carry on.
0: Okay, good. Well, that means he's... Um, Possibly open to a move anyway. Yeah, <laughs> has he got a club at the moment? <laughs> What's his contract situation? He can do a London accent as well, can't he? Um, can he? <laughs> well, well, that's up for debate as well. Yeah, we've gone off track here. Um, yeah, QPR. I mean, the whole Chris Willick over reliance on Chris Willick in our eyes chair thing is very apparent with this QPR side and. I know QPR fans will say, well, any team with their two best players not performing won't do very well. But literally, Elias Chair and Chris Willick make QPR tick in that final third. And if not on it, QPR aren't on it. Um, defensively, I think they're fine, but it's just adding in that attacking areas. And that's a very difficult thing to do in January. Lyndon Dykes alike, like, but at no point have they ever played a system or style of play that gets the best out of him, i.e. getting balls into the box early. Um, I think if they did that more often, they might get more more goals out of them. But they they're just missing something uh, in that final third which um which needs addressing in January, which is a very difficult thing to do and obviously the Beale situation isn't helpful, but even so the squad's still short for a sustained playoff push.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. You've got Cher, Willock, who are two Premier League quality players, the rest of the team going forward, average championship players. That's why they need that bit more, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. If they don't get that bit more, then I just can't see it happening. And I think, well, QPR are definitely in that bracket of teams who very much got a good chance of getting a playoff place. They January is more important for them than it is a lot of other teams who are in this bracket that we keep talking about. Let's go to sixth place, Justin, into the playoffs, where we have Millwall. Now, Justin Peach, of course, predicted Millwall to finish in the top six at the beginning of the season. And that's where they find themselves. I've got them lower. The question is,
0: does Justin Peach think Millwall will stay there? I think they'll stay there. Um, I'll say higher just for the purposes of this higher or lower situation, but I think they will be fifth or sixth, so higher. Mm. Interesting. That's Mm -hmm. very interesting. So
1: why do you think they will manage to sustain this playoff push?
0: They've got depth. Okay, let's just tick-box it. They've got depth. They've got good attacking options. They've got good defensive options. They got plenty of midfield. They play with energy, and they've got Gary Rowett, who tactically is very astute at championship level. And uh, you know, the immeasurable aspect is it's their time. Surely, it's their time. Um, but for me, as I say, if I go to that forward, those forward areas, Zion Fleming has been fantastic this season. But I don't think we've been. I don't think we've seen the best of him at a consistent level. I don't think he's been consistently great this season, which is why justifiably. I had no intention of putting him in my team of the season so far. And then you look in the striker situation, Benicophobia hasn't got going yet. Um, Tom Bradshaw, we've mentioned him, can do it in spells. So they haven't had a consistent number nine um, putting chances away just yet. And they've still not got the best out of the likes of Shackleton, Honeyman, um, even Savile. They've got options, Barry Bennett um, in, in the wide areas, um, Vlogshammer as well. It's just a lot to like about this Millwall team. A lot to like them. Uh, A lot to like about them. And I think they can sustain it this season. I think they can sustain a push this season.
1: Yeah, I've got them to finish lower, but that's just because there are a couple of teams I fancy more than them to get into the top six. But without a doubt, they've got a cracking chance. And in fact, it's as good a chance as any team or any other team outside of the big four that I keep going on about. I really like this Millwall team. I think it's very well balanced. There's a good mix of exciting young talent and experienced championship players. Every player there buys into being part of the team. They each know their jobs. And they've also got that X-Factor player in Zion Fleming who's made Millwall fans go, who's Jed Wallace? (laughs) Um, you, You look at the underlying data, the expected goals table indicates Millwall a good value for sixth place in the table as well. So, that's all well and good. A lot of boxers ticked there. The only thing that makes me worry is the striker situation. One thing we've learned over the years from doing this podcast, Justin, is that you can't rely on Tom Bradshaw over a season. Every so often, he'll score four goals in two games, but then cease to exist for 20 games. And then Benekofobe struggled with injury, plus not really shown the same form from last season. So I'd be feeling a lot more confident about Millwall's chances of a playoff place if they got a striker in. I don't think it's the end of the world if they don't, but it would certainly help. So that's, without a doubt, got to be top of the shopping list for them in January. And if they do that, then Mill will have got an incredible chance of finally getting into the playoffs after, you know, threatening to do it now for the past three or four seasons. Just let's take a quick break. After that, we'll go through the top five teams in the Championship and we'll talk about some of the news from the Championship over the past few days. Welcome back to the second tier podcast so we're going through all the championship teams and deciding whether we think they're going to finish higher or lower come the end of the season compared to where they are in the championship table right now we've gone through 24th to 6th that means we're in the top 5 Justin and in 5th place we have Norwich City very interested to hear whether you've got them higher or lower
0: Uh, it's, it's Dean Smith dependent but I think balance of the squad I've got to say higher I've
1: gone higher as well. So, over these two episodes, I've made reference to a big four. That includes Norwich, Watford, Sheffield United and Burnley. I believe that this big four will be the top four come the end of the season. Maybe in a different order to what it currently is now, but I think there will be uh, the top four with two playoff places going spare. Now, Norwich are a bit interesting in this respect because as things stand, I can see the other three, going off and fighting each other over automatic promotion. While I don't think Norwich will right now with Dean Smith in charge. So they could very well end up being left in this kind of nether region where they're too (laughs) off the pace to be going for the top two, but comfortably in the top six. Now that could change. (laughs) That could change with a different manager. But that hasn't happened yet. So we can only go off the idea that Dean Smith will be in charge for the rest of the season. Now, I don't think Smith is a bad manager by any means, but it seems as if the fans have made their minds up with him. And once that's done, it's very, very difficult (laughs) to turn around. So in summary, if Norwich change manager, I believe they can still get into the top two because the squad's obviously good enough. If they don't, I reckon they'll get into the playoffs and... Ultimately lose because there's a third place team who's better than them, and possibly another two teams who head into the playoffs in great form, whereas Norwich are just kind of there existing and being Norwich City uh, what do you think justin
0: yeah um <laughs> I'm trying to be mature about this, um but I've just got this vision of Norwich you know <laughs> um. So you know the bit that gets sore if you've been riding a bike for too long? They're that sort of region, aren't they? They're the championship okay. scrotum. <laughs> Where's this come from? Because <laughs> you said nether region, right? And then I go, I, my mind starts to wonder. I was like, okay, well, the automatics are going to be the um, genitalia, whereas the outside of wow. playoffs is going to be your, your arse. So essentially it, Norwich it's... are just sat in this... This area I'm so sorry to Yeah of the championship.
1: (laughs) This podcast has taken such a dive. Once upon a time we were I was gonna say we were seen as professional, we've never been seen Hmm. as professional, but this is a new low even for us.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's exactly a flattering description of Norwich, but actually as far as visualising exactly how their season's going to go, I don't think it's a bad one. Just because you're quite right, I don't think they've got enough in them under Dean Smith to challenge for a top two place. And they've certainly got enough in their squad to not drop out of the playoffs. Um, and therefore, they're just that region, as you say, um, on the body that is there um, in between those two other regions that I'm not going to dive into too much. But um, yes, yeah, they they're a team that can improve if they get a new manager for example but they're also a team that if things go wrong I mean there's a bit of unrest with supporters obviously Um, and that could point towards a bit of a a a diving form but I think there's enough in that squad to, to at least finish in the playoffs Let's go to fourth Justin where we have Watford now Justin Peters has been
1: vehemently sticking to his guns that Watford won't finish in the top six this season. Is he still sticking to those guns or is he finally admitting defeat on that front? I'm admitting defeat. I think they'll finish in the top six. Lord rejoice. It's about time. (laughs) (laughs) I've got them to finish higher as
0: well, but I'm very interested to hear why you've admitted defeat on this front, Justin. Uh, Again, it's... It's almost a stubbornness, I think, from my perspective of just not wanting the parachute payment teams to dominate the Championship because I want the Championship to be seen as this open competitive league. And it is in some, uh, in some instances, but it's not, is it? We know what the top four is going to be. They've got the best squads. They've got the most resources. They've got the most manoeuvrability in January to bring in new players. Um, so we know what the top top four, top five is going to be, roughly. And Watford obviously sit in that category and I think Watford are gonna be in that position where if the ownership don't see it quite going to plan, they're gonna invest in January. Um under Slavin Budic, they're going in the right direction. It's slow, it's a bit like a ship turning, but they're going in the right direction. Hopefully it doesn't end up like that ship in the Suez Canal a couple mm. of years ago. That could that could well be the case with Watford. Um and that's why it's always they always it's always erring on the side of caution with them. Um but you know, if you look at Keenan Davis, Ishmael saw. Jao Pedro, Jao Pedro is the best player quality-wise in the championship, um, and then Ishmael Sol can be the best, one of the best players in the championship as well. There's just a lot in this squad that makes you think there's enough in you. But there are other elements of the squad as well, like right back situation. Dan Gosling's now injured, and he's putting some good performances at right back. Um, yeah, he's going to be interested. They've got to rely on a very slow, industrial Mario Gaspar, which isn't going to be useful. Um, so. It's going to be a season where I don't think they push quite enough for the top two, but certainly there's enough in that squad for them to sustain a top six top six push.
1: Well, I think that the top two race is going to come down to Burnley, Sheffield, United, Watford. Possibly Norwich if they change manager, but definitely those aforementioned three. Billich has done a great job in turning around Watford's fortunes, and I think that's simply because the squad is better suited to him than it was Rob Edwards. And Watford find themselves fourth, five points off the top two, despite it being pretty clear that they've got gears to go through. Because we haven't seen the best of Ishmael Nassar yet. Gio Pedro's been great this season, but I still think he's got more to offer. Because you're probably right, Justin, when you say that, in terms of pure talent, he's the best player in the division. Add in the fact that I'm almost certain they'll strengthen in January. And I get the feeling that Watford could be a completely different beast in the second half of the season. Get a new right-back, get some creativity in midfield into that team, possibly a couple more defensive reinforcements. That team will be as strong as any other in the division. It's just about, you know, Billich continuing to get this team improving. And if they do that, then Watford will be a very, very threatening side to the likes of Sheffield United and Burnley when it comes to how comfortable they are in the top two. Um, Let's go to third, Justin, where we have Blackburn Rovers. I wonder where you've got these, Justin. Lower? (laughs) I've also got them lower. Now, out of all the teams we've gone through in these two episodes, this is probably the least surprising one from us, isn't it? We've mentioned it in virtually every episode that includes Blackburn. So I'm predicting them to be lower. Uh, It just depends how much lower. This team won't finish in the playoffs. I'm sure about that. It won't surprise me to see them not even finish in the top half, for that matter. Because every season, we seem to have one team who are very high in the table at the halfway stage, despite not playing very well. And every season, that team fades away. It was Blackburn as well last season. (laughs) Reading, the season before. And out of the teams we've just mentioned this is the one I'm most certain about falling away. They've had the second fewest shots per game in the division. They've got the lowest expected goals attack-wise in the division. Only two teams have a poorer expected goals against from open play in the division. It's it's a downright statistical miracle that Blackburn are even where they are right now. But these things catch up with teams. It always happens. So... Blackburn won't be anywhere near third come the end of the season. I'm very sure about that. It just depends about how much they fall down the table. Full credit for being where they are right now, but in the context of this episode, they are not going to finish in the top six.
0: Let me let me play some devil's advocate for you. What if Thomason finds a balance between his well, in his style of play, in his players? Where well, they start to create more chances, concede less chances in that time as well. And they do start to balance out and become a consistent team playing-wise, not results-wise, but playing-wise in games. What if he finds that balance over this World Cup break? We've said it with quite a few teams that he needed this World Cup break. He's a new manager of the new team. Um, and they've set themselves some very solid foundations with the amount of points they've accrued so far. So what if he finds that balance and some consistency? What if? can they Can they push up? Well, that's obviously going to help, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I think
1: that goes without saying. But I just think in those two departments, they are so far away from being able to do it consistently and maintain a playoff position that I just can't see it happening.
0: Okay. No, it's. I don't disagree with you. I, I do agree with you. I do think they will drop. They will drop off. Um, but my my thought process with Blackburn R is what well, is is it, the amount of points they've accrued so far is going to help them massively in terms of where they finish at the end of the season because make no mistake I don't think Blackburn have been great this season they've got good results but they haven't been good themselves um, now I can say that as an unbiased outsider because I I'm not a Blackburn Rovers fan I just look at it subjectively while I'm using objective data to look into it. Um, and even in games that I've seen, I just haven't been overly impressed with them. That being said, it's a young squad. Thomasson's had a lot to do um, in terms of playing together uh, those, those young players with with the players that they've got already, as well as that players coming in. They've lost some big, influential players in the summer, Lenehan, um Niamh Bain, some Lone times that went back as well. So it's, there's been a big transition. So I think it's been a good season in that respect, but I do think... This team can improve. It's just whether they improve. Um, And if they do improve, then I think they can sustain a top 12 finish, I would say. Um, Maybe not playoffs, but in and around 12th to 8th. You make it sound like
1: that's a big deal, them securing a top half finish when they're currently third in the table. Uh, But I, I completely understand what you're saying, Justin. They... As I say, I, I would not be surprised to see them drop out of the top half of the table. That is honestly how mediocre, how much I rate this Blackburn team. Um and when you say improving, I'm assuming you mean improving in terms of performances as opposed, yes. as a proof, as opposed to results, because obviously yeah. results have been amazing so far. It's just the performances have not matched that, which is why we're both quite confident about this Blackburn team sliding down the table rather drastically. Let's go into seconds where we have Sheffield United. I've got them to stay where they are. What about you? Higher higher you're going top wow I'm all in there we go all in on the blades in yeah. that case
0: justin you can take the lead on this one beautiful right um i don't think i think this 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 championship uh, uh this Sheffield united team is ready made for a title finish title push sorry um i think they've got experience they've got um i think paul hack is a, a, a great tactical coach um the style of play is aggressive and it's not very nice to play against very uncomfortable when we saw it they absolutely battered in that second half, didn't they? Um, and I just think they've got enough in them to sustain a title push. Caveat, fitness, injuries. That's the only thing that's going to impact them. For them to get to second with the amount of injuries they've had, they've had this season has been remarkable, almost miraculous, I would say. Paul heckimob's not been able to train. They've not been able to have consistent training sessions, which means... I mean, I don't know what it means. They, they've been incredibly efficient in, in knowing what the, the game plan is. Um, you know, you look at the amount of goals McBurney scored, he had a double hernia uh, in doing so. Um, and they've got a bit of X factor in, in, in diet as well. But I think the only thing that's going to hold them back from sustaining a title push is fitness of key individuals. Um, but if they get them back and they can keep them out of the physio room, they're a shoe in for the top top place for me.
1: Yeah, I think it's quite tight. As I say, I keep talking about how I think it's going to be a top three as the season progresses. And I, my instinct says Sheffield United will be second because I think Watford have got the catching up to do. But I think it could be quite tight between yeah. those two. Um But I do think Sheffield United will be better in the second half of the season just because surely they can't have as many injuries as they have done already. (laughs) It just can't be possible, can it? Um, And if they don't have as many injuries in the second half of the season, and the players who have been missing are back fit, that obviously makes them stronger. If you look at the team as a whole, all rounds, it's very well balanced. There's a lot of quality in every single position, and there aren't many faults that can really pit with this team. It is just injuries, as you say. So... They've got a great, bright manager in Paul Ekimotem, who's doing a marvellous job at Sheffield United. It is just about how their look goes with injuries <laughs> in a, the second half of the season. I think they could do with a couple of reinforcements in January, and I think they may very well be. Um, one of the teams are quite busy in January. But I'm, from what I've seen of Sheffield United so far, they're without a doubt the second best team in the division, Um I think that's justified in how they've been playing and, of course, in terms of results, because that's where they find themselves right now. So, yeah, I'm quite comfortable with Sheffield United finishing the top two, but I think it could be quite tight between them and Watford, which brings us very nicely onto the team who we have top of the table. Uh, Burnley, I've got them to stay where they are, but I'm guessing you've got them to finish
0: lower? Well, you know, two teams can't finish top, can they? So, yeah, just, just lower. Automatics, certainly, but lower.
1: Yeah. I've got Burnley top because they've been the best team in the division and I think they will continue to be the best team in the division. Um, I'm based off everything really in terms of what I've seen from them so far. They've got so much depth and quality all around the pitch. They've been comfortably the better team in pretty much every game this season. I haven't seen too many performances from Burnley where I thought, oh, I'm not too sure about that one. They've been put up against it on on a few occasions this season and... One concern would be the number of points they drop from winning positions. I think it's the highest in the division or maybe second highest. Anyway, they drop a lot of points from winning positions. But at the same time, they also win a lot of points from losing positions, which is a strange Mm -hmm. anomaly to be found. But, (laughs) you know, fair play to them. This is a fantastic team with a, a manager who's turning out to be fantastic in his own right. And there's a lot of young players in this team who are only getting better therefore I am very high on Burnley winning the title and possibly even doing it at a canter as well because of what I've seen from him so far so it wouldn't surprise me if Sheffield United and Watford battle out for the top two and Burnley go on their merry way and end up winning the championship quite comfortably this season on the flip side maybe they'll have a bit more bad luck with injuries compared to how other teams have because I don't think they've actually been too unlucky with injuries off the top of my head Um, but their squad is so big and so full of quality that it shouldn't really harm them too much therefore I'm quite confident
0: about Burnley winning the title this season yeah Um, I mean you sort of win me around a little bit there with some of the uh, points you've brought up, but I think the key difference <clears throat> the key difference between Burnley and the Blades for me is ex- it just comes down to uh, experience of individuals. If I look at John Egan, George Baldock, uh, Bitty Sharp, Chris Basham, John Fleck, Ollie Norwood uh, that's a lot of experience in that Sheffield United team. Compare that to, um, to Burnley, where you're looking at Jack Cork, Jay Rodriguez, Ashley Barnes, maybe one or two others. I think Sheffield United have got a little bit more in their squad to push for a title push um to push for that top spot especially when it gets really rough in and around sort of February March time for teams pushing um pushing for a title um that being said I think this Burnley team is incredibly talented I think they've had I think they have been the best uh, team in the division so far um, and I don't think we've quite seen the best of them yet either because I just don't think the individuals that they've got have, have truly, truly hit um, hit the ceiling yet this season. Um, but I just think Chevy and I just got a little bit more about them, uh, a little bit more depth as well in certain areas, uh, in the uh, forward area and um, centre-back as well. So, yeah, blades to pip them, but I don't think there'll be much in it. I really don't. I think they'll be quite ahead of um, third place, seven or eight points easily. But I think we could go down to one or two points, maybe even goal difference for this title push. I don't think there's much in between Sheffield United and Burnley.
1: Interesting. Justin, let's quickly round up where we had each team to be finishing higher or lower come the end of the season. So Reading, I had them lower. I had them lower. Coventry, higher. Higher. Luton, higher. Uh, Lower, <laughs> I think. <can't. laughs> <laughs> you said stay where they are. But yeah. No, I think you I said, said uh, higher. higher. Yeah, higher, you did. Yeah. You just said you said just higher. Uh, Preston, lower.
0: Lower. Swansea, higher. Higher. QPR, lower. Lower. Millwall, lower. I said higher, but stay where they are. Have you not um,
1: written these down in front of you? I misplaced my notes. Of course you did.
0: <laughs> uh, Norwich, higher. Uh, stay where they are, higher. Watford, higher.
1: Higher. Blackburn, Lower. Lower. Sheffield United, stay where they are, higher. And Burnley, stay where they are, lower. And now it's time for the news. And we'll kick things off with this. According to multiple reports, QPR boss Mick Beale is expected to be the new Rangers boss following the departure of Giovanni van Bronckhorst. It comes just a matter of weeks after he turned down the Wolves job, saying that he didn't want to be the first person to jump the ship at QPR
0: and leave the QPR project. Uh, Justin, what are you making of this? Well, he's going to be the first person to jump ship and leave the QPR project, isn't he? Um it's very hard to see him not going to Rangers. I think he went on a Rangers podcast. I've seen this circulating on social media saying, you just don't turn down Rangers. That's a quote. Um, so as long as Rangers are after him and want him and willing to pay the compensation for him, he's going to go, which is, I think, is a uh, almost scandalous. Uh, I don't know where Beal's integrity is. Um, if he does decide to go, you'd hope that he, he stays true to his word. That was only three weeks ago three or four weeks ago by the way it's not been long at all since he said those words so what's changed I mean he was only at the Rangers game rangers Aberdeen game just a couple of weeks ago as well so yeah it's it's just incredibly disappointing from his perspective I think um, yeah, my, my estimations of him have gone down I say he's not gone yet but it's likely he does and if that's the case good riddance I think QPR can do better I think it's absolutely pathetic from Mick Beale's <laughs> perspective it's for him
1: to come out and say that after rejecting the Wolves job, literally, as you say, three or four weeks ago, and say, I can't be the first person to jump ship, it's embarrassing if he does now really jump is. ship. It's If he just turned around and said after rejecting the Wolves job, look, wasn't for, right for me, I, f- I feel like I've got more to give at QPR, then that's fine. That's how you handle that situation. But for you to come out and say... I can't be the first person to jump ship. And then immediately be the first person to jump ship. It's it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, QPR fans, I don't know how they'll be feeling about this, but I'd be I'd be thinking to myself, this guy, if he's meant to be the person in charge of our club and he's saying stuff like this, then, yeah, good riddance, get rid. Um, get someone in who's more committed and doesn't u turn on something he literally said three weeks ago. So, Yeah, I'm just amazed that this has happened. I'm honestly amazed, Justin, because for him to come out and say that and then for it to be a completely different story weeks later, I don't think I've ever heard anything like it. Before. yeah it's yeah. unless from it's from a politician um, <laughs> in that case Justin let's go to who we think QPR should be looking to get in assuming Mick Beal does leave it make us look really silly right now if he turned around and said actually I'm going to stick to my words but it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case but who would you like to see come in as a, a new QPR boss
0: I don't know I sort of got it I mean we've had so many sackings this season so far that we've almost been suggesting the same names but there's a really good crop of coaches available which is which is why I don't think QPR should be too worried. QPR support should be too worried, because um, I look at Neil Critchley, for example, and I think he's a fantastic coach and he deserves another chance at Championship level. Um, that being said, he did jump ship from Blackpool, didn't he? <laughs> so maybe not the uh, the best the best option. Uh, and then the other option I came to my head was Chris Wilder, who was flirting with other jobs. So maybe they just need a manager who just. Um, who just love QPR I, I, I don't know maybe they need a, an internal appointment or a former player who is going to come in and be absolutely passionate about that football club because they are a, a really good community football club um, and Mick, yeah Mick Bill's got them in a really good place to, to push on um, with just a couple of additions they could be a, a promotion pushing team and I've said that all season um, but who they get in as I say those two names I mentioned they've got previous so I'd go for a player ex-player, potentially ex-manager, ex-coach.
1: Is worth saying as well, I think Mick Bill going to Rangers has all the recipes of going completely tits up for him mm-hmm. because from what I've seen, Rangers fans aren't particularly convinced by the appointments either. So yeah, that could go very, very wrong. But in, in terms of who comes in next, I think I would be looking straight away at the likes of your Critchleys, your Chris Wilders. I think Chris Wilder... Initially, I thought, is he unrealistic? But you think about it, he's just been sacked from a fellow championship side who are in a kind of similar situation to QPR. So, really, is, is Chris Wilder going to get another job that's, you know, higher than what QPR can mm-hmm. offer? I'm not really too sure. Um, so, in that case, I think Chris Wilder's fully realistic. It's just whether QPR are willing to cater to his lofty demands which is ultimately what's yeah. seen him depart from his past two jobs now um, Critchley has been linked with the job and I think that would make sense he's a brilliant manager and I continue to think will be a Premier League manager um, so if QPR want to go down that route and get in a young exciting coach then he definitely makes sense but they've gambled before with Mick Beale, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they gambled again by getting in someone completely out of the blue. But QPR, a very well-run club, recruitment is good, um, and I think I'd be very surprised if they made the wrong appointment again. So yeah, I I'd be I'm quite comfortable with a uh, QPR making the right choice here.
0: Yeah, I'm just looking at a list of potential managers. Obviously, Ian Everett used to play for um, QPR. He's he's doing a really good job at Bolton. The style of football they play is very, very nice to... to well, it's very easy on the eye. Um, and he's getting a lot out of a relatively low budget. Um, Stephen Schumacher's another one who I've mentioned quite a few times. Carl Robinson's done a very good job at Oxford in in, in in recent years. I know they haven't had the best of starts this season, but they are recovering a little bit. And again, he plays a very good progressive style of football. Um so there are some good coaches. I know I was sort of erring on the side of caution with with Critchley and Wilder. But even if you look a little bit further down the, um, down the leagues, some really good managers.
1: It's a, it's a great time to be looking for a it new is. manager, into it? Because there's so many <laughs> options out there. And that brings us very nicely on to the BBC, who say Colo Torres is expected to be named as the new Wigan boss. In typical podcasting fashion, this hasn't been made official yet, but probably will be as soon as we finish recording. But considering what we were just saying, Justin, about how there's a very high quality of manager who are just, you know, available on a free right now, it does seem a bit strange that they're gambling on Colo Torre, who hasn't had a managerial job so far and has been a coach to Brendan Rodgers now for a number of years. But what are you thinking with this one?
0: Um I think the more I think about it the more I come around to it. Um and I think the reason why is he was a good he was a good defender um as a player. Uh, I know he sort of wilted a little bit towards the end of his career but just to be expected with with aging defenders. Um but he's played under some really good coaches, Arsene Wenger, Mancini, um Brendan Rodgers obviously. Um and he's been a part of some really good teams. So I think that's going to that's going to help massively. Um, and as well as that, other than this season and maybe tail off of last season, Leicester were doing relatively well um, and they have recovered. So I think his coaching credentials are there. And obviously, if he's tr- trusted by a very good coach in Brendan Rodgers, um, I think that that goes a long way. And if we're going to willing to pay a compensation fee for him, even though there are all good managers, as you say, available and are free. Available and free, uh, free players, aren't they? Um, avail- uh, they're unemployed. Um then I think it speaks volumes as to as to how impressed he's 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 been in his in the interview process. Um, so the more I think about it, the more I come around to it, the more I'm willing to sort of give him the opportunity. I mean, you've had company, or not company actually, Thomason, um Edwards, uh, obviously Bill who've all been given a chance in the championship this season to varying degrees of success. Why not give it Torre a chance? But then again, there is the caveat of Wigan have been very poor this season.
1: It's either going to be a total disaster or a surprising success. It's as simple as that for me. I I don't really know what to think about it because Wigan have been so poor this season. It would make a lot more sense to go with someone who's a lot more experienced. But maybe they're thinking this is a long-term appointment and they're willing to take one on the chin and possibly get relegated this season. <laughs> I, I just don't know because... You know, I I don't think Colo Torres' playing career really matters too much in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, he's worked with some good managers in that time. And if you're going to gamble on a coach, then sure, fine. But it's very strange considering the managers who are available right now, I think, Mm. anyway. So, yeah, whether Wigan are just kind of thinking, let's you know, throw, roll the dice and get someone who can help us in the long term um and maybe, you know, accept relegation this season, then fine. I also found it very weird that they're giving him reportedly a three and a half year deal, which in managerial terms is quite a chunky contract, uh, especially for someone who is completely unproven. At senior level, having said that, this is the club who literally just gave a new contract to the manager they sacked (laughs) a matter of weeks later. So nothing surprises me about Wigan anymore. The one thing I will say, we were just talking about QPR. I've got confidence QPR, know what they're doing when it comes to appointing managers. Wigan, I don't share that same confidence because the club, in terms of how it's being run... Plenty of question marks right now, especially with the financial side of things. So, yeah, we'll leave that one there. Norwich midfielder Kenny McLean has signed a new deal to keep him at the club until 2025. Not sure about this one. He is 30 now, maybe even 31. So, giving him a new chunky contract like that, considering... I don't think he's the greatest player on earth either. I don't really understand, but there we go. Blackpool will sign Republic of Ireland under 21 fullback Andy Lyons in January from Shamrock Rovers. He's joining on a three and a half year contract. Bristol City midfielder Mark Sykes has become the first Belfast born player to represent the Republic of Ireland since 1946. He made his debut against Malta in the week, so congratulations to you Mr Sykes. And finally, former Scotland striker Kenny Miller has been named as the new assistant coach at Huddersfield. Justin, what do you Think
0: need some translators at uh, the training ground. <laughs> some very thick accents. Um, yeah, it's a strange one. Kenny Miller's coaching career has been really, really poor. If uh, yeah, I mean, if they're going to get a little bit more out of their attack, I mean, he was a good forward. But as I say, his coaching career has left a lot to be desired. I mean, he has been sacked at his previous two jobs. I think so. Yeah, it's a strange one, but it's always nice to see Kenny Miller back in the championship. Yeah, why not?
1: Uh, let's do the polls, Justin. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we ask the listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts and everything to do with the championship. The first question we asked was this. Is Mick Beale wrong to leave QPR after saying he will not jump ship? Yes or no? <laughs> the answer from us is both yes, I'm assuming. Yeah. 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 Yep, 75% of people said yes. What? 25% said no. Uh, who's going to win the World Cup? Argentina, Brazil, France or Spain? We're only allowed four options on polls on Twitter. And after seeing England against the USA, I left England out. But who are you going out of those four? Um, I'll say
0: f- France looked really good the other night. They look really good.
1: I bet on Argentina at the start of the tournament and I'm going to verminly stick with them. 45% of people said Brazil. Neymar is mm-hmm. injured now. Yeah, Big blow. Strength. Uh, France got 31%, 12% said Argentina, 12% said Spain. And should Phil Foden be starting for England, yes or no? No.
0: What? Yeah, I'm going no. Explain yourself. Okay, okay, okay. My, My thinking behind it is it's still Southgate's fault, but the style of play that he's got at the moment doesn't suit Uh, what Foden does Foden needs progressive wing backs making it really wide making the pitch really wide so he can thread balls in Um, because obviously wing wing backs being wide they stretch defences they leave gaps which allows the likes of Grealish etc to to exploit them sadly um, Southgate doesn't play that way so unfortunately I can't see a way for Foden to get into that team at the moment Southgate's Southgate's
1: good Southgate's got to change then, hasn't it? Yes. 88% of people said yes, 12% said no. I can't understand how arguably the greatest manager ever rates Phil Foden, but Gareth Southgate does not. Makes absolutely zero sense to me. Wait, He's For me, Phil Foden is England's best player. Simple as that. <laughs> he should be starting every game. Um, but for some reason, that doesn't happen. And we've got to stick with... Whatever we're seeing with England right now. I mean, industrial football. N- that 0 0 on Friday night was shocking, absolutely shocking. Uh, Shall we leave it there, Justin? Uh, this has been the second tier podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. What we're we doing on Thursday, don't really know, but you'll get an episode. Uh, maybe we should just do an hour long preview of Millwall v Sunderland, <laughs> Justin. And then on Sunday, we do an hour long show reviewing Millwall v Sunderland. I'm sure the listeners would love that.
0: Oh yeah. I was just sort of thinking there, maybe we can like do—I mean, do a Millwall Sunderland th- themed diddy or didn't he? And yeah, this could be fun. It might
1: probably won't be actually, but yeah. we'll do something. We'll we'll make sure we have a fun
0: show for
1: the listener during this World Cup break. And I promise we won't mention Millwall v Sunderland because that 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 being the only game next weekend makes absolutely zero sense to me at all i don't know why it's there um but we will talk about that game next sunday thursday though we'll have something there for you and it'll be incredible ladies and gentlemen i can assure you of that (laughs) let's leave it there justin let's get out of here this has been the second tier podcast i've been ryan dilks i've been justin peach and a big thank you for listening